Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. So let's read in verse number 21, Luke 2 and verse number 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was, was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification marries, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and was this, uh, the same man was just, means righteous, righteous before God, and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon is a kind of an interesting individual because he would have lived, he would have lived through the, the 400 years of silence and yet was devout and just. He was still obeying, following after God. That's an ama- he's an amazing individual. Um, we'll touch on his life this morning, but let's continue on in verse 27. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord... Now lettest thy serv- and thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed, him, blessed them, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, and that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed, referring to the pain that she would uh, experience when he was put to the cross. Verse 36, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher, She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow for about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she was coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake Uh, of him to all them that looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. 
And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord. Have you noticed that being a recurring statement about Mary and Joseph? All things according to the law of the Lord. They returned into Galilee to their own city. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for this opportunity to look into your word on this day after Christmas. Thank you for each person that is gathered here today. And I pray for our church family that's traveling in a way and maybe some that are not feeling well today. And I do pray that you just lift each person up, encourage hearts today, and that you would um, bind us close to your heart and that we would be stronger uh, today for having gathered around your word, we pray. I pray that you would bless our time, open up our hearts, strengthen us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. This morning, I want to just talk to us about this matter of of comfort and joy for those that are seeking after the Lord. I want you to think about this. We, We have said that comfort and joy is mentioned many times in the scriptures. In fact, joy is mentioned 197 times in the scripture. Comfort is mentioned 124 times in the scripture. We find that joy is what we have in our hearts when Jesus is dwelling in our hearts, when we accept him into our lives. He is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. But joy is there when the Spirit of Christ is in full control. Without Jesus, there is no joy. The world has happiness, which is based on circumstance. But we have joy in Jesus Christ. There's joy in serving Jesus. There's joy in being the child of of the king, but there's also comfort. He is comfort. He sent the spirit, uh, he spent his, uh, his spirit, which he said is another comforter. He was the comforter that dwelt among us and he came to be that help for us as he died on the cross in our place for our sins. He is comfort and joy, but not all people experience comfort and joy. Not all people experience the comfort and joy that Jesus is. First of all, not all people accept him as their personal savior. So it's impossible to have comfort and joy without without first receiving him as your savior. But secondly, not all Christians experience comfort and joy. Why? Why? Have you ever gone through a joyless uh, season or a joyless day? You know what I'm talking about? Where you just lack that joy? Where you lack the comfort that that you know Jesus is, I have, I do, I do more often than I'd like to admit. Are you with me on that? You're going to leave me all alone up here? No, we do. Sometimes even on days like Christmas we do, right? Why is that? Why is it that we have the, 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 the very king of all the ages dwelling within us in the person of the Holy Spirit, why is it that we are saved from our sins and there is no remote possibility of experiencing hell and yet sometimes we go through days without realizing, experiencing the comfort and joy that he is? What I want to get across to us this morning is we have three different groups of individuals whose lives were fully devoted fully seeking after Jesus, uh, fully set towards him, set towards God. And, and those are the type of lives that experience the comfort and joy that he is. Now, none of us are perfect, so I'm not talking about you, you, you make a decision today and you'll never have another problem uh, going forward. We all have our ups and downs. Are you with me on that? We, we all have our ups and downs. 
and th- that's the reality. But I want to encourage us with the fact that those who seek after Christ, who make that their daily pursuit, are the ones that experience the comfort and joy that he truly is. We can't go through our day forgetting Christ, not remembering him, and expect to have the comfort and joy that he is. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse number 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. Right? Without faith. So there is no way possible for us to, to give pleasure to God if we're not demonstrating faith. Well, how is that faith going to be demonstrated for he that cometh to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him he's a rewarder he's the one that that is blessing with spiritual blessing with with spiritual benefits i say comfort and joy the the realization of it and not just that many other spiritual benefits but he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him I find Simeon in here especially to be one who was rewarded, who had waited his whole life for the salvation of the Lord to appear for him, to be able to see this. In fact, he had come to faith on this fact that God would allow him to see Jesus Christ, the Messiah, before he died. Boy, his heart was just so overwhelmed at the moment he finally laid eyes on him. He sought him with his whole life. I think of Anna as she is there waiting in the temple, serving God and serving God. And the moment she hears over here, Simeon, she's right there giving thanks to God. And we'll see that in a moment. But all of these focused and were devoted and were seeking after God and after his Christ. And yes, these are the ones, these are the types that get to experience the comfort and joy that Jesus truly is. Listen, what this makes a difference for us this week is tomorrow, if you and I will wake up and seek after Christ, and if he will be our first priority, if he will be our, our goal for the day, you will experience the comfort and joy. He will raise you above all the strife, all the muck of life. He will. It doesn't mean there's not going to be muck. It doesn't mean there's not going to be problems and chaos and junk going on in our lives. That's the human reality. But Jesus will, uh, will lift us above. He will encourage our hearts and uh, lift us above. And so in these four different people that are noted in these passages, on these verses today, I just want us to realize if we'll seek after Christ, if he'll be our full attention, our full focus, we too can experience the comfort and joy that Jesus truly is. And so notice, first of all, that Joseph and Mary loved God in verses 21 through 24. And I, I, I want to I quickly say why I say they loved God, because it doesn't say that in the passage. But I did notice all the way through this passage of Scripture that over and over they did, they did everything that the law required. They obeyed God in every single way. They obeyed his word in every way. Do you remember what Jesus said to us? In John 14, in verse number 15, if ye love me, do you remember? Let's say that all together. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Right? Well, I'll tell you what. Joseph and Mary were a couple. It wasn't just Mary. It was Joseph right along by her side. Even though Mary was the mother of Jesus, uh, uh, and, and that happened by function of the Holy Spirit, Joseph was right there with his wife. They as a couple were together in this and they were loving God. Notice their obedience to God in verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called what? Jesus. 
Jesus. Now, notice this obedience, first of all, included this matter of circumcision according to the law. We find that in the book of Leviticus 12 and verse number 3. They were to circumcise, which was a token of the Abrahamic covenant. And so this covenant that God made with Abraham, that his, uh, his seed would be blessed and would, would grow uh, as the sand of the seashore, and through his family, all the nations of the world would be blessed. What was that? Through his family, Jesus Christ would come and bring salvation to every person in the world, not just for the Jews, but every person in the world. And so through his family, this was going to happen. And as a sign of this covenant, they were to circumcise their, their baby boys at the age of eight days old. Now, just a, a quick tip. Uh, God, God leaves nothing uh, untaken care of. I mean, God takes care of everything. Eight days, part of that was because at the, uh, at the age of eight, we understand this now, it's an amazing thing, but we understand this now that vitamin K uh, would um, uh, be, begin um, being produced in the body at the, uh, around that age of eight days, and so it would stop bleeding. And so God, God knew when he said eight days why it needed to be eight days, and it was so that the body could heal itself. And so here we have here we have circumcision happening, and they were obeying the law. That's all I want you to get from that, is they were obeying what was required of them. What God said to them, they were obeying. They were doing what he said to do. And what did that tell, uh, tell us about their relationship with God? They loved him. They lived their lives oriented towards him. But secondly, did you notice what, what they did with his name? On that eighth day, they officially named the child. And what did they name the child? Exactly what God told Joseph to name the child back in Matthew 1 and verse number 21. Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so uh, Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. And they had obeyed not just the, the, the old law, if you will, what God had said back in the book of Leviticus, but they also obeyed what God had said through the mouth of the angel to Joseph. And I'm just saying that they obeyed what, what seemed to be an old command and what was a new command. They obeyed everything. Their hearts were towards God. And in this, they showed their love towards God. But this wasn't new with them. When the angel came to Mary the first time, to declare that she would be the child, um, the, 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 the mother of the Messiah, we find that, that her response to the angel and all that, that God was saying to her, which is really amazing. Because at this point, she's being told, hey, you're going to have a child, but you've not been with a man. You're going to have a child. And can you imagine what would be racing through a young lady's mind of that day who had kept herself pure? Can you imagine what was racing through her mind? How am I going to be perceived? How am I going to explain this to my parents? How am I going to explain this to my fiance? I mean, all these things are going through her mind. And yet, in Luke 1, in verse number 38, we find, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Whatever you say, Lord. Whatever you say. Wow. Wow even if it means I am misunderstood by others. That's pretty amazing. But that was Mary. Mary and Joseph, and likely the reason that she had said yes when he proposed, and I don't know how he proposed, but likely the reason she saw in him as well a man who is fully devoted to God. A man who had the same heart, Lord, whatever you say, in fact, we know that from Matthew chapter 1, 
he was, he was going to put her away privately. He didn't want to hurt her. He didn't want to make a public show of this, this, this issue because she's now with child and it's not by him. And, and God said, take her. Don't fear to take her. And he did. Imagine what, what would have been said of him as well. And even his, some of his reputation and his livelihood might have been hindered by that decision. But yet, they obeyed God and thereby showed their love for God. And it is amazing, we show our love for God by how we obey Him. Sometimes in this age of grace, we get away from that that mentality. And there's an extreme to this, where where folks become a to-do list Christian. If I do this, I'm loving God. Listen, we we can check a list and not have a heart of love. we got to be careful about that. But the Bible still does say, if you love me, keep my commandments. Just because we're inside of the age of grace does not mean that we should not follow his, his word and say, yes, I will obey. Whatever you tell me, I will obey. Uh, one of our verses this, this year in Matthew uh, 16 and verse number 24, it talks to us about, hey, if you're going to come after me, take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. What is that? Obedience. What is that? Love. Love. That's what they had. They demonstrated their their heart to seek after the Lord by by loving him with their obedience. You know, as we obey Christ, we can experience the comfort and joy that he truly is as well. Comfort and joy doesn't come outside of boundaries. It comes within the boundaries of God's word. And many people today want to throw off the boundaries and the restrictions of scripture. Friends, that's not freedom. That's not freedom. And you might hear that. It it seems like people are throwing off more and more and more. And we we identify more with the world. Friends, that's not true freedom. Have you ever ever noticed the believers that are trying to throw off all the restrictions, how they cannot talk about anything else? It dominates them. Friends, there is a quiet peace that comes with saying, you know what, I'm just going to obey this. And I, I, don't, I don't actually have to get everyone else to, to do this because that's between them and God. That's something we have to remember too. I'm not the changer. Only God can do that. But there is a freedom. There is a peace in coming. You know, I'm just going to obey. And, and they're going to have to take it up with God when they, when they get to heaven. I remember uh, speaking with somebody and, and they... I had encouraged them in, in, in following after the Lord, and, and their, the attitude was sort of like, well, what are you, what are you going to do if, if I don't? And uh, I, I just said, you know what, I'm not going to lose any sleep because this is between you and God. And that's not me being callous. That's just truly, that's, that's, that's the reality, is this is really between you and God. We all make our decisions before God. And we need to have that, that attitude as, as well. It's just, I'm going to do what God has told me to do no matter what anyone else does. And so here we have Mary and Joseph obeying God and they're loving him with, with their expressions of obedience. But notice how they sacrificed. They didn't just obey, they sacrificed, verse 22. And when the days of our purification, according to the law of Moses, there we have it again, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord to present him to the Lord. Now, there's, there's some great imagery going on here, but also obedience that's happening in this sacrifice. According to Luke or Leviticus 12 and verse number 1, we find that uh, in that passage, the firstborn 
was to be, was to be brought to the Lord. It was in that, in that context that, that this firstborn was to be brought, but as well that there was a days of purification for the mother uh, after having just given birth. Now, it's interesting here. We find that Mary, Mary did this after her days of purification. So back in Leviticus chapter 12, we find that her days of purification would be right around 33 days for having a boy. Now, I'm not going to explain this. I really want to dive into this. But the days of purification for having a, uh, with, after having a girl is 66 days. So I don't understand, uh, understand what all is going on there. But there's probably a, a specific reason that God, I know there's a specific reason that God says that. So uh, just, just regardless, uh, Jesus is probably about 41 days, if I've done my math right, about 41 days old here at this time of bringing him to the temple for this presentation to the Lord. Now, what is this whole presentation to the Lord? Notice, notice in, in, uh, in uh, Luke 2, uh, 2 and verse number 23, as it's written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy, holy being separated or uh, 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 set apart to, sanctified, that's the, uh, another idea of holy, to the Lord. And so the firstborn had to be presented to, uh, to Jehovah for special use. Now, uh, there, is, uh, there is some understanding that uh, oftentimes it was the idea of presenting him to the Lord as a priest, but really the, the, the Levi, Levites uh, as a tribe were the priests, and so they were presented to the Lord and then bought back. Um, and so there was, a, there was the idea of a redemption, buying back the first child, but the knowledge that came along with that was that this child belonged to the Lord and I have him on loan, which is a really great thought for us all to have with our children and for you grandparents to encourage your children to have towards their children, is that we have our children on loan from God, that we are stewards of them, that they do not belong to us, they're really God's, we have this opportunity to shepherd them, to care for them as they belong to God. So just think they're presenting their child to the Lord. He would be given to the Lord and then re uh, redeemed back as a reminder. He is the Lord's. The Bible says in Psalm 127 and verse number three that children are the heritage of the Lord. They're the blessing of the Lord. I just read recently that, that in Italy they're having to now uh, incentivize having children because um, the birth rate has gone down so low. And after years and years and years of the worldly teaching that children are, that are they're a nuisance and they're, they're just, they get in the way. We see in a, a nation like Italy where it actually does come back to bite a nation. Uh, that that you, can't, you can't scrub God's way and expect to, to go on. So now they're trying to incentivize with taxes. Hey, please have children, please have children. Well, it's amazing to, unto me that God already told us that children are a blessing from the Lord. Do they take work? Yes. Does it get easier? All right? And so all of you grandparents, you're like, no, no, you think you have it easy now when they're, when they're all under 10. You just wait till they, they get to be adults. It doesn't get easier. The problems get more complex. Right? It's not easy. But they're a blessing from the Lord. They're a gift from the Lord. And our heart should be, hey, they're yours. They're yours. By the way, for you that are older with children, and they might be wayward and away from the Lord. Do you know that you can go to the Lord to whom they truly do belong and you can talk to him about them and continue to pray that their, their creator will 
bring them close to him. There's a real peace that, that comes when you know, hey, they belong to you, Lord, and I've done everything I can to help them, to encourage them to be close to you. Would you please, would you please work? I, I can't do anything. I'm powerless. And I encourage you in that way. They presented Jesus to the Lord according to the law, but they did not. That was not their only sacrifice. That was a living sacrifice. That's a living sacrifice right there uh, of uh, presenting them to the Lord. But notice they had the offering in verse number 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so here they are bringing a burnt offering and as well a sin offering to the Lord. Now, those that did not have much money were allowed by the law, according to Leviticus, were allowed to bring the turtle doves and pigeons as opposed to a lamb. And so uh, Mary and Joseph, not being a well-to-do couple, they brought these, these, young, uh, these, these two young uh, turtle doves and pig, uh, 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 pigeons to the Lord as a burnt offering and a sin offering. Notice the burnt offering really has to do with more the idea of a renewing fellowship with God. The sin offering speaks for itself. And so we have them bringing the sacrifice to the Lord, again, according to the law. They're obeying what God has said to do. In order to, to walk in the fullness of fellowship with God, they're obeying him in every way. They're sacrificing for him. Why? Because they love him. Their lives are oriented around him. And I just, I am... I am amazed as even we read through the passage this morning just to see all the times that Mary and Joseph said, yes, I will do what God said to do in the law. I'm not going to skip out. I'm going to obey him, thereby showing their love. I want us to realize that even here, in them bringing those turtle doves and pigeons, that wealth is not a determining factor of our sacrifice to God. Wealth is not a determining factor of our sacrifice to God. We can all sacrifice, and whatever that sacrifice means to you, whatever that is in your life, I encourage you, love God by sacrificing. We can all give ourselves a living sacrifice, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. We can all give ourselves, Lord, I am yours. We can all give of our wealth. Lord, this is yours. It all came from you, and it all belongs to you. Lord, I can give of my time. It all belongs to you. And we give back. We sacrifice. I sacrifice my talents. I sacrifice my ambitions. I sacrifice everything to you. Why? Because you've loved me so much, and I love you in return. And so we ought to do as they did. We ought to love the Lord. We ought to have that heart of devotion, that heart of seeking after him. And I am, I am amazed by their testimony and blessed by their testimony today. But I want you to notice Simeon's testimony. How was Simeon a seeker? How was Simeon one who sought after the Lord? Notice that he was satisfied with Christ. Verse number 25, we find him uh, introduced to us as a man in Jerusalem that was just and devout. And his whole life revolved around waiting for the coming Messiah. I'm, I'm grateful today that the Messiah has already come, aren't you? I'm grateful that we aren't in the day of offering lambs. Can you imagine? That must have been something else. Grateful that we live in this day, we look back on his sacrifice. 
But here's a man who looked forward to it. And he looked forward to it through bleak years. We think we're in bleak years right now. But he looked forward to the coming of the Lord that first time through very difficult times. Uh, he did not have a continuing story. The story he had ended with Malachi, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. That was the end of, the end of what he had. It's kind of a cliffhanger. And yet he still took every prophecy of Christ and waited. And he prayed and he sought God and he came to faith believing that God was going to send it in his lifetime. And, and he was there in Jerusalem anticipating that, looking for that. I want us to think about this. The satisfaction that Simeon had was accepted. He accepted the fact that the Messiah is my satisfaction. Who he is and what he is going to bring to earth is, is my satisfaction. He had not even tasted of it. He had not yet seen it, but he accepted that it was. And, and friends, I just want us to think about this. You know what? Our satisfaction is yet to come as well. But we can live, live in the reality right now. Uh, listen, we look forward to the day that Jesus Christ will come like he looked forward to the first coming. We look forward to the rapture and it's coming back for us. He looked forward to that and accepted, there's my satisfaction. And it's, it, it would be like for us living today, uh, uh, looking for that city whose builder and maker is God. Here's Simeon, he's looking forward to that day. And this is what he wanted. He says, notice in verse 25, waiting for the consolation of Israel. This consolation, the idea of waiting for the source of comfort for Israel. Wow. Esau all around him, mayhem, religious mayhem. There was, there was political mayhem going on with, with Caesar and there was, there was all sorts of issues that were going on in, in society. Uh, there was money issues and the political issues, the religious issues. And there was this general angst, you know, there's not a message from God. And yet now, here we have this Simeon that's waiting for the one who would come and bring comfort to Israel. Waiting. His whole life was oriented around that. The Holy Ghost was upon him. The Holy Ghost revealed, you're, gonna, you're not going to die before you see the Lord's Christ, before you see the promise fulfilled. He's looking for it. He's eager for it. He wanted it. Simeon had accepted that the comfort of his soul was indeed the Messiah, and, and he waited for that, that to come. There's a lot of things that we can accept as being our satisfaction. If I just had that, I'd be satisfied. Even good Christians, Christians that have a heart for God, like you here today, we can accept other things as, if I just had that, I'd be satisfied. Well, Tim, uh, Simeon, if I just see the Lord's Christ, I'll be satisfied. I'll be satisfied. That's amazing. We can make that money, relationships, position, just getting to a normal place in life, how many of you ever, ever say, I just want normal? just want normal, right? And sometimes we, we even say, if, if I could just have normal, I'll be satisfied. No, if we have Christ, we'll be satisfied. He is the only satisfaction, and that was, Tim, uh, uh, that was Simeon. And I, I think about this. Sometimes people think, if I can just get away with my sin or if I can just do this another time, 
But you know that Moses told us that he, he put aside the pleasures of sin, which were only for a season, and he suffered with his own people. You know, even, even though sometimes Satan comes and tempts us, that, that sin will truly satisfy you. No, no, it won't. It's only temporary. It's only a temporary satisfaction. So whether it's money, whether it's fame, whether it's a position, whether it is a certain status in life, whether it's that normal, none of that satisfies. Only Jesus satisfies. Anything, anyone other than Jesus will leave us unfulfilled. And the world doesn't understand that. And sometimes we get, we get trapped up. You know what I mean? We get trapped up in the world's thinking. And we start to look around and see all the tangible things of this life and forget the fact that only Jesus satisfies. Only Jesus brings true satisfaction. In fact, remember what he told the woman at the well? If you drink of me, you shall, what? Never thirst again. Wouldn't you like that? And you know, we need to live in that reality every single day. But here's a man who is looking forward to the Messiah coming, and he had already accepted him. He's my satisfaction. But notice, in the tested satisfaction, it was proved in verse number 28. Then he took him up in his arms, blessed him, and said, Now, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. Verse number 30, are you all there with me? Read verse number 30 with me. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. One more time. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Mm. I can die now. People talk about having a bucket list. This is what I want to do before I die. Checked off everything on my bucket list. Now I can die. You know what his bucket list was? See Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Don't you want to live there? Like we, we might have some work, you know, some talking to God to do today. Because I, you know, there are many times that there's many more things in our, in our minds that we want to do before we, before we die. And for him, it was just, I, I just need to see Jesus. But more so, it was, I've seen thy salvation. I've seen thy salvation. You know what? The thing that makes us ready to die is knowing that we have been born again and that we have salvation. That's truly Truly what needs to be on everyone's bucket list, salvation. I have experienced salvation. And friends, it's not just the experience of that decision in that moment, but the experience of salvation, which is a whole new life in God. A whole new, whole new way of living. It's a whole new way of thinking. It is a, it's a life that is changing. It's a relationship that is developing. And so here we have... Simeon, who is satisfied, and he declares it. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. I am ready to go. But notice the salvation he talks about. He says it in verse number 31, which thou hast prepared. Which thou hast prepared. You know, before the world began, God had planned that there would be a, a plan of salvation. Jesus was slain before the foundations of the earth were, were even laid. And that, that blows my mind how God created us in perfection, and yet created a plan for when we would, in our free will, choose to sin against him and thereby be plunged into the grips and the, the trap of Satan and death, and yet he prepared a plan that would rescue us. He prepared that for us. That's what leads me back to the hymn at Calvary, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the love that brought it down to man. 
That's, a, that's an amazing God that we serve. And, 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 and Simeon points out to us, which was prepared before the face of all people. Now, he says all people. Then in the next verse, verse 32, what does he say? A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. It wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the Gentiles as well. Now, the early church really struggled with getting that, getting that going. They struggled for a little while. But they eventually got it. And the word spread to the whole world. God's heart has always been for the whole world. And, and Simeon notes that even here as a, a man that's come through a very dark period, he, he notes that God had prepared this salvation and God had prepared it for all people. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will respond to the message of the gospel can come to him and receive eternal life and the forgiveness of all sin. Praise God. And we have Luke here who is, who is underscoring all of these truths about God and about the salvation that he's bringing. I want us to notice something else. Look at verse number 33. Verse number 33. And Joseph and his mother, uh, and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Notice, and Joseph and his mother. His mother. There's something else here that God is inspiring and causing Luke to underscore, and that is the virgin birth once again, just underscoring Joseph and his mother. His mother. And you'll notice how the, the scripture is very, very careful in underscoring the truth on truth of this. This was not a, a man uh, born of a, 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 uh, a normal um, married relationship. This, was th- this child was from God. This, this was God in the flesh uh, coming, uh, coming through the Virgin Mary. And so it's an amazing thing how God is underscoring these truths for us today. But Simeon is focused in on this, and he is, he is just so satisfied as he has seen the salvation of God. There's this old um, spiritual, and I don't know what year it was written, and I don't know what, uh, who wrote it, but uh, in the morning when I rise... And it goes on and repeats those phrases, in the morning when I rise. In the morning when I rise, you know how it goes? Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Now, the last verse, and it talks about some other things in the, you know, verses 2 and 3. But in the last verse, oh, when I come to die. Oh, when I come to die. Oh, when I come to die. What is it? Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. So, in my every day, give me Jesus. And when I come to the end of my life, give me Jesus. There's Simeon. Give me Jesus. I'll be satisfied with him. And friends, I hope that, that we'll seek the Lord, that that might be our same testimony. And friends, when we do, that's when we experience the comfort and joy that Jesus is. One more illustration. Anna, look at verse number 36. So she's there at the temple. She's serving God night and day. She is a widow, which has, has its own unique set of hardships, daily hardships. She's been a widow for a long time. She is in her 80s. Uh, it appears that she had only been married seven years and had spent the rest of her life a widow. And she spent the rest of her life in devotion to God and in seeking him. Her whole life was orbed around God. Because it says there 
that she served God night and day with fastings and prayer. She served him with intercession, and she stayed in the temple in the presence of God to intercede and to just declare to God he meant everything to her. That's what, that's what the fastings is. I mean, she lived a life of full devotion back, toward, back towards God. And so I want us just to remember this about, about her. She lived a life of thanks. She lived a life of thanks to God. Uh, she was thankful for Christ, and we'll see that in a moment, but she lived a life of thanks. Everything about her life was geared towards, I want God. I want God. I'm not going to get sidetracked by my hardships. She had plenty to be sidetracked by, but I want God. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to stay in his presence in the temple. Aren't you thankful that your, uh, your body today is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And that everywhere you go, you can, you can remain in the presence of God. And you can remain in a spirit of prayer. And you can truly do what the New Testament tells us, pray without ceasing. You can do the same thing that she did as a New Testament Christian today. As you go to work, everywhere you go, as you gather in this place, everywhere you go, you can do the same thing that she was doing. But she devoted her life towards this. She lived a life of thankfulness back to God. But you know what? It wasn't, it wasn't just with words. It wasn't just with words that she thanked God. It was with her life. And I think we need to just ponder this thought that the greatest thanks of my life is not going to be made with my lips, but with my life. With my life. Sometimes we do very well at saying things, but she proved it with her life. Her whole life was orbed around God. What greater token of thanksgiving can you give to God than to give your life fully over to him and say, Lord, my life is all about you. Because you came for me, my life is all about you. And so she gave this, her life to God in the temple, even though she had suffered hardship, she would not become bitter about it, she would not become bitter at God. You can be guaranteed she has some financial struggles as well. But here's this lady who's fully focused on God, and it was not just with her lips that she thanked God, but with her life that she thanked God. Notice then, as soon as she overheard uh, Simeon there in the temple, that she responded with thanks in verse number 38, and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. They were giving thanks, but she gives thanks likewise under the Lord. Anna would have been in the court of, the, uh, of women there in the temple. So there was a court, and uh, you can see it there uh, in front of this would have been Herod's temple. It would have been down in front towards the entrance where the, the women were uh, allowed, and I guess not allowed to go further into the temple. So that it seems that that's where Mary was, and that's where the, it would have met uh, Simeon more than, uh, more than likely. And so they're, uh, they're at the temple, and she is immediately rejoicing along with them, giving thanks, praising God for this gift. And do you notice? Here's a lady who, who again, like a Simeon, was waiting for this. She was hoping for this. And when she saw Jesus, she gave thanks. She erupted in thanksgiving for Jesus Christ. It's not wrong for us to give thanks to the Lord daily and often from our lips, not just with our life, but from our lips. Lord, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. And may others hear that. 
May others hear that. You pray. Someone asks you to, to pray and give, uh, you know, as often people say, say grace. Uh, pray at a function. Give thanks for Jesus Christ. Everywhere you go, give thanks for Jesus Christ coming to earth. But you know what? There was something else here in verse 38. And spake of him, spake of Jesus, to all them that looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. To all those, there was a remnant there that were looking for the coming of the Lord. And so she began to declare it. She didn't get over it. She, it wasn't something she just kept to herself. She began to declare it. What God does in my heart, I'm to declare to other people. What God is showing me, I'm to give to others. And so she did that. She declared his salvation to others. What a beautiful thing that that was. He's come. He's come. Let's praise God. He's come. You know, we saw that with the shepherds. Immediately after they saw the baby Jesus, as the Lord had told them, they went and declared it abroad. I, that still tickles me because I, I, I believe it either had to be early morning or it had to be still at night. And they're, uh, they're going around in the streets of, of Bethlehem and they're declaring it everywhere they go that the, the Lord Jesus Christ had come. And so here we have Anna who is declaring it to others around her that he has come that the redemption has come. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 9 and verse number 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by the blood, uh, 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 by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal, here we go, redemption for us, for us. That's what she was rejoicing in. That's what she was giving thanks for. And so we have, here is, here is Anna who is, a lady that's fully devoted to God, fully seeking after God, and the way that she expresses that is with her thanksgiving for Jesus Christ coming. Mary and Joseph, they loved God. That's how they express their devotion and their seeking after God. They, they did exactly what he asked them to do. We have Simeon. How did he? He was satisfied. He was just looking for Christ. And once he saw Christ, it was everything he needed. He could die now. We have Anna who is just thankful for his coming, thankful. And in these ways, we can, we can seek after the Lord and to experience the comfort and joy that he truly is. And friends, may that be our lives. May we put this into practice. Simple truths from these four individuals. May God help us to apply them to our lives. Would you bow with me in prayer?